The following podcast is created and sponsored by High Beam Ministry. Who is there? Special delivery. But I want to tell you something. As God uses men to advance his kingdom through the proclamation of the truth, so the devil uses men to advance his cause against the kingdom of Christ. Now I want, to, I want you to notice something from the book of Acts, that whenever the kingdom is advancing, it's because the word of God is being proclaimed. You want to advance the kingdom? Proclaim, proclaim, proclaim the truth. But you need to understand that there are two lines on this battlefield, and one line has men of truth. They are men of truth, not by their own virtue or merit, but the election, the sovereignty, the grace of God. They are men of truth, and they must stand with the truth and stop playing games like little boys and devote themselves to know the truth and to proclaim it. And then on this side, there is another line, and they are the proclaimers of lies, frivolity, maybe even good things, but not the best things of God. Welcome to the Airzats Coffee Shop. This is Jay, your truth barista, and I'm serving up a steamy cup of God's truth for the average Joe. You can catch me and this podcast on my websites, truthbarista.com, all one word, truthbarista.com, and highbeamministry.com. That's H-I-G-H-B-E-A-M ministry.com, as in car high beam. We're shining the light of God's truth on the road ahead. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I love you. Truth Barista, I was so encouraged from last week because I learned so much about this theme we're calling demons. And I asked you a question at the end of our conversation last week about if Satan can be transformed into an angel of light to deceive. And, and he comes into not, not the world. He comes into the church as an angel of light. So how often are we fooled by this angel of light? This, I can't tell you how often, but I can tell you that we are. And the way to find that out is Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. So let me back up a little bit. Can demons go to church? Can they live within the organization of a church? They sure can. Funny thing I see about our Bible study that we're going to get into with Luke chapter four here is Jesus was preaching in a synagogue on Sabbath. And that's where the guy was who had the demon. Demons go to church. How do they go to church? Through individuals. See, that's their access point. If they can get an access point into a person's life, either influence or to motivate them or even cause them to do things, wherever that person's going, he's taking that with him. The reverse is true. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in our congregations and in our homes, and we need to take the Holy Spirit out to influence the world. See, it's basically a spiritual battle. It's a game of stratego, if you know that game, or a game of chess. You are invading the enemy's realm. Well, the enemy is trying to invade our realm, and we would look at that as the body of believers in a congregation. And if they, if a demonic force can infect or influence a congregation member, 
don't think they can't do that to the pastor or to the board. They're not in some special place of holiness. They are not Jesus. Okay. They are human beings. And if they open the door to their lives, demonic influence can happen. And yeah, demonic possession and motivation can also happen. How can you tell? They could say the right words. They can appear to be an angel of life, but what's the fruit of their life? What's going on when they speak off the record, so to speak? And I've known some pastors where they sound good in the pulpit, they look good in public, but when I've talked to them behind the scenes in an unguarded moment, they'll say something or do something, and I look, I'm going, what the heck is that? Now, mm -hmm. either that's an unsanctified person, but there's a kind of a creepiness that came along with that, what he said. And it's like, oh, there's something else at work in here. And I don't like it mm. only to find out a couple of years later. Oh, my gosh, this person had some serious spiritual issues. Well, sometimes, you know, we think that demons are like, you know, they, they infiltrate through somebody and they're flopping around on the ground or something, you know, like it's a very demonstrative kind of exercise, but it really isn't. It can come through even teachings, right? I mean, people can take the word of God and go wacky with it. And that's why I think God has given us the word of God to kind of keep us with the guardrails that we, we don't go outside. We don't color outside the lines, more or less. And well, yet over the years, you know, as well as I do, you've addressed it many times, Truth Barista. Some of the teachings that are out there are nuts. And yeah. the, the prophecies come out that are nuts. And you go, where does that come from? But they get this reputation that they're prophets, people are prophets, but sometimes that's just a little bit, just a cover for what really the angel of light is doing. Yeah, like we've said, when somebody teaches or preaches or prophesies, it's either the Holy Spirit, a human spirit, or a demonic spirit that's right. talking. There's only three sources to it. Doesn't Paul talk about in the end times, or even in his time, people are teaching the doctrine of demons? Yes, yes. It's a demonic doctrine. It doesn't necessarily right. mean that the demon is teaching a doctrine, although they can, Yes, you know, Satan twisted God's word to make it say what it wasn't to say. On the flip side, we have the Holy Spirit who takes God's word and applies it the right way. Again, this is the back and forth battle in the spiritual realm. If we're going to teach, preach, and prophesy, if we're going to live our lives for God, it has to be under the motivation, the power, and the influence of the Holy Spirit with all of the windows and doors shut in our lives to demonic influence. And once again, in our scripture in Luke chapter 4, it says Jesus is teaching, there's the word, with authority and power. And what's the reaction? The demon reacted against him, God's word, and the authority and power that was present. And that kicks off the story. So you're right. Demons can go to church. They will reveal themselves when people preach God's word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with authority and power. Boom, there's going to be a reaction. I think for the people in the next booth who have been listening, so tell us just quickly, just just real, I mean, you don't have to get into a lot of uh, background, but, but where do demons come from, Truth Barista? I mean, were they created that way or did they do something that wasn't right and they became a demon? I mean, where does it all happen? 
as I understand it, and I only see two sources in scripture, but I'm open to correction, and I'm doing more study in this area too. It does say that Satan took a third of the angels with them. The angels are not just winged beings, so to speak, they're spiritual beings. So a third of those spiritual beings went with Satan. So there's a source of demonic activity. Number two, the Nephilim, back in Genesis 6, the angels came down they had intercourse with human women and they created these gigantic, horrible beings that when they were wiped out in the flood, where do you think their spirits went? They were disembodied. This is a little closer because we find out Jesus, when he's casting the demons out of the man, this is the whole pig episode, you know, and the demons go, please, you're casting us out and we'll leave, but we don't want to just go to the wasteland where we're disembodied. Let us go into the pigs. So for some reason, these spirits don't want to be disembodied. They want to be in a body. So I'm seeing in some cases, you have demonic forces that are fine with being spirits. You have other demonic forces that want to be in some sort of a fleshly physical container. So that could be where these two groups came from. And, you know, on one hand, the spiritual forces are trying to influence us. Other spiritual forces are trying to inhabit us. Do you see the difference? Oh, it's amazing. I remember there was a story that Jesus told about when a spirit comes out of a man and goes and wanders in wherever the heavenlies and then comes back and finds that that man, that person that came out from is clean and swept, but it hasn't put anything back in. It was just a clean and swept person. They cleaned up their act or whatever. They come back in with seven more spirits and the person's worse than they were when he first was cast out. I mean, sometimes that happens with people, right? I mean, they just get worse in time rather than better. You know, it's like alcoholics. You're, you may be suffering under alcoholism. You go dry and when you fall off the wagon, it's like, well, I'm already off the wagon. Why not go for all the marbles here? And they wind up in an even worse situation. Let me give you a real life illustration. Let's say you have a house and you're away on vacation, but you leave the door unlocked. So a squatter comes in and what happens? They kind of mess up the place a bit. They kind of trash it a little bit. They don't keep it clean. And you come home, you find them there, and it's like, what are, you, what, what are you doing here? And you throw them out of the house, and you clean up everything, and everything looks sparkly clean. And you say, you know something? I need to go away on another vacation. So you go on away on another vacation. The squatter goes, you know, I don't want to sleep under this bridge anymore. I'm going to go back and check the house to see if that idiot left the door unlocked again. <laughs> So he goes back and he sees the house swept and clean. He goes, oh, this is great. Why are my buddies sleeping under the bridge? Hey, guys, come on in. And now they've got they've turned that house now into a worse state. It's a flop house, dirty mattresses, urine, everything, needles, whatever it is. And the whole house has been destroyed. You know, this we can relate to the demonic thing. Not so much because it's a little bit more spiritual and woo kind of out there people don't relate to it but this is what happens if somebody is under demonic influence and they are freed from it jesus says you need to be filled with the holy spirit it's like putting positive air pressure in a house so when you open the door the air blows out of the front door keeping the smoke outside away furthermore when you shut that door it has to have a lock on it so that that which is outside can't just enter of its own will into your house. So that's 
That's my thumbnail description. Well, I think that's great. I mean, it, you're right. That lock, in many ways, is also the Holy Spirit. So if you get cleaned up, salvation becomes a part of your life, and the Holy Spirit comes in. I mean, there's a there's the strong man, and the demons can no longer bother you, at least in terms of entering, because a demon's not going to enter a place where God is residing. So uh, we just don't want to make uh, this a fearful thing. It really is a very positive thing. It's protecting yourself against uh, forces that we have virtually very little power over other than what we do in Jesus. Exactly. You know something, I'm kind of led because I'm listening to or seeing some of the people in the booths around us kind of looking at us and listening in. I want to pray with you for just a second, okay? Let's pray for people, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this topic that you're leading us through today by your Holy Spirit. We take no credit for this. And we come to you in Jesus' name according to your word, because Jesus said we can come to you with our requests. You are the source of power. You are the source of authority. You are the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, the uh, the Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we are asking for everybody who is listening in on our conversation today that by your authority and your power, you would begin to break this demonic hold. If there are any demonic holds in their lives or any influence or even a grip, that you would break the grip, reduce the influence right now in Jesus' name, that these forces would be shaken from their lives and driven out by the Holy Spirit. And Father, for everybody that's experiencing that right now, we just pray that you'd complete the work in them. And Amazing Larry and I are asking that after that happens, you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and keep that house filled and locked and that they can move on with their lives in you and not with the enemy. We're asking this purely and only in Jesus' name, his authority and his power. Amen. Amen. Truth Barista, I think that was a great prayer, and I think we should let that prayer soak in as we refresh our coffee cups because I see yours is dry, and mine's been dry for a long time. So let's, let's go get some coffee, and we'll come back and continue our conversation. Hi, this is Pastor Jay. I'm the Truth Barista here at the Airzats Coffee Shop. Thank you for listening. By the way, you may have just heard us pray for deliverance, and we're believing that there are people out there who have been listening in, and that may be you that have been experiencing this, and a change just hit you. If it did, we would like to counsel you, talk with you, see if we can get you some help. So contact us at High B Ministry highbeamministry.com as in car high beams high beam ministry all one word highbeamministry at gmail.com and we'll get in touch with you and help you get the help you need you know sometimes i think i've heard everything and then i came across the high beam ministry website i was blown away I had no idea how much I could learn about God, the Bible, and life issues from the weekly Truth Barista podcast and Frothy Thoughts blog. Yep, there it was. Riveting discussions, incredible Bible studies, and even a few really dumb jokes. And now I don't want to miss one podcast or one blog post drop. So I hit the subscribe button on the webpage. Now, when I get a weekly email notice of a new podcast or blog post, I grab a cup of joe and settle down for some scintillating insights. Why don't you do the same? Go to highbeamministry.com, 
all one word, highbeamministry.com, as in car high beams. Check it out. Hey, you kids, get off my lawn. Oh, amazing, Larry. That coffee cup is so filled to the brim. I know. It's just, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I got an idea. Uh-oh. How about we get Uh-oh. to a Bible study? <laughs> we started in, in Luke 4. Is that where you want to go back to? Yeah, we started in Luke 4. Let's do this again. We'll read through it again. Luke 4, 31. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. Where would he be teaching them? In a synagogue, okay? Verse 32, they were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority, which always makes me laugh. It's like, so the other guys that teach there don't have authority? (laughs) But no, we know he has authority because of who he is. Verse 33, in the synagogue, see, he's in a synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, what's this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, no kidding. Now, imagine what would happen is if a pastor on a Sunday morning is preaching a word, it's an accurate word, it's a good word, and all of a sudden there's a a reaction, demonic reaction, within the congregation, and the pastor just looks at these people and can identify through the gift of discernment that it's a demon, and just goes, get out of him in Jesus' name, get out of her in Jesus' name, leave in Jesus' name, and these demons go, you think the church might get a little press? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow, I guess so. But I have a question for you historically, Truth Priestess, because you're an expert on what happened before the New Testament, okay? Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is New Testament stuff, Luke 4. So what did the rabbis do prior to Luke 4? I mean, I mean, what did they do with demons? They obviously were around and people were bugged by them and whatever. So did they ignore them like so often we do today or, or, or what? Well, if you look in the pagan religions, they would do things that would appease the gods. The gods there are Elohim, which means spiritual beings. So if you're under attack by a spiritual being, you basically cooperate with them and do what they want to appease them so they won't hurt you. So many pagan religions had ways to deal with it that way. It's interesting, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in his days, and he says, I'm driving out the demons by the Holy Spirit. Your sons are driving them out as well. Wait a minute, I'm thinking, they're driving them out, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. What are they doing? Back in those days, they would use God's word. God's word still has authority. However, it wasn't as effective, and Jesus' point is this, if your sons are driving them out, but I'm driving them out with the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom of God is staring you in the face. You know, you either try to appease them, or you try to drive them out in some way, and that area I don't know about, because I don't dabble in the pagan area. Right. Well, David, you know, remember him, the King David, he used to play a harp for Saul. For Saul. Because he was depressed, or it says an, an evil spirit would come upon him. So it could be medical, you know, he could have been a 
sort of like bipolar person or whatever, but it says an evil spirit, and that comforted him to the point where he could cope. So that was a, that's the only thing I can come up with to how they actually dealt with it. You know something? That is a great point, and let me address that. So Saul gets hit with the demonic spirit. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit left him, leaving him wide open. So the demonic spirit hits him. He's in agony. So David does what? He worships the Lord. David has the Holy Spirit on him. So the presence of the Lord plus the worship that David is expressing it is getting out into the atmosphere, pushing against this demonic force in Saul, and it pushes back the force in such a way that it's able to calm Saul. He's removing through the Holy Spirit's presence in his life and through the music he's expressing his devotion and the presence of the Holy Spirit upon Saul, and that's enough to drive it out. However, in another case, David is playing, same thing, but now it provokes a reaction, and in that case, the demonic force in Saul prompts Saul to pick up a javelin and try to pin David to the wall. Why? To get him to stop on a spiritual level, but on a kingly level, it's prompting Saul to get rid of what he sees as a threat to his throne. So really, there's a couple of different levels that are at play there as I see it. So that's a great point, by the way. Wow. Well, anyway, I just was always, you know, I'm just always curious because I'm the curious, you're the solution giver. <laughs> <laughs> okay, where are we with Luke 4 now? Okay, I want to just point this out because as I did this Bible study, I titled it, You Can Learn a Few Things from Demons. That's perfect. And that's perfect. <laughs> it's a scary title. So let's go. What do the demons say that reveal things about Jesus? So one of the first things he says is, I know who you are. Wow. How does he know who he is? Well, demons have been around for a long time. They're created by God. They're not separated per se from God initially. They know the spiritual realm. It was the angels that left God's presence in rebellion, so they must have known God from before their rebellion. And as for the Nephilim, if you look at some of the extra-biblical writings, yes, it's extra-biblical, the Nephilim and the watchers, the angels that created them, are well aware of who God is. So here, Jesus, God in Jesus' flesh, he shows up and the demons go, oh, I know who you are. But even more so, they know Jesus as the Holy One of God. So let's talk about holiness. And this might be the rest of our Bible study today, and then we'll pick it up next week. What does holy mean? Holy means to set apart, to cut or separate. In a sense, God is a cut above everything else. Nobody and nothing is at his level. Now, Christians say that love defines God, right? Don't we always say God is love? Okay. Well, the Bible says holiness is God's primary characteristic. Why? I love what R.C. Sproul says in his teaching on the holiness of God. Here's his quote. The Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. That's Isaiah 6. Not that he is merely holy or even holy, holy. He is holy, holy, holy. That's how Hebrew emphasizes. When you repeat words, that's putting exclamation points at the end of your point. The Bible never says that God is love, love, love or mercy, 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 or wrath, 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 or justice, justice, justice. It does say that he is holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. So when we talk about God's characteristics, his attributes, things like love, mercy, justice, compassion, 
Holiness covers them all. Holy love is a love that is above every love, and there is no type of love in creation like it. He has holy mercy. It's a mercy that's above all mercy, and there's no other mercy like it. He has a justice that is above all other justice in creation. No other justice is like it. Whatever God is, he's holy first and all. His Holy Spirit is not a human spirit. It's God's spirit. Therefore, it's holy and above all spirits in creation, and no other spirits are like the Holy Spirit. That's why when the Holy Spirit is working in a person, the other spirits run. They bend the knee. They have to bow because they are confronted with God himself, and that will provoke an action and a reaction. Okay, so another word for holy is pure. It's absolute purity, absolute goodness and perfection. It what is right. So anything amazing, Larry, that doesn't line up with God's holiness is impure, evil, imperfect, or wrong. Nothing can be improved. Nothing can be better. God is completely free from wickedness and evil, and he's unable to tolerate the presence of wickedness and evil. So let me put it into other terms. Do you have allergies, sir? You know, I don't. My wife does. Okay, so does it primarily happen in the spring? Absolutely. When the pollen is out, polyping. <laughs> <laughs> Pollinating? Pollinating. There you go. That's the right word. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's my point. With the, out the pollen in the air, there's no reaction. But once the pollen is in the air, you get an allergic reaction. An allergy is a hypersensitivity to a substance that causes the body to react to any contact with that substance. Like a bee sting, a person can die from a bee sting. God's holiness is allergic to sin and evil. It will cause an instant reaction. So here's the impact on demonic forces of God's holiness. They are allergic to God's holiness. God's holiness is allergic to them. They're hypersensitive to each other. And they're, whole, they're allergic to God's holiness because they're unholy. They are so not holy. They are impure. They are evil. They are imperfect. They are wrong. They are as far from God as anything can get. So when there are two things, these two things meet, holiness and unholiness, there's a reaction on both sides. So let me put it in the other terms. Sin is repulsive to God, and sin is repulsed by God. This is why when you talk God with some people, they just want to throw up and run away from you. Why? Because the holiness in you is leaking out of you, emanating from you through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and their human spirit is like reacting to it. I just don't want to talk about it. You know, how dare you judge me? You know, these are common reactions. It's just like, you know, I just, I got a thing. I got to get out of here, right? Because they're uncomfortable. Why is that? The holiness of you is rejecting and reacting with the unholiness in them. And by the way, when the Holy Spirit begins to move on you, don't you get convicted? Why are you convicted? Because the holiness of the Holy Spirit is reacting against the unholy thoughts and attitudes in you. So sin causes God to either turn away from you or turn away from it, or God's holiness extinguishes sin instantly. No wonder the demons had a spiritual spasm. Ah! 
They knew exactly who was standing before them. The demons were painfully aware they were in the presence of God's holiness. It rocked and repulsed them. So God's holiness convicts that which isn't holy and not of God. So even what is good in human terms can't take the holiness of God. The minute the prophet Isaiah saw God's holiness, he was instantly aware of how contaminated he was, how spiritually unclean he was, because he says, I am a man of unclean lips. That's a Hebrew idiom. Out of the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's saying, I'm unclean, God. Who I am, what I think, my attitudes, my feelings, all these things, no matter how good they may seem to be, in your presence, in the very presence, side by side with holiness. He says, it's, it's evil by comparison. In fact, Isaiah says, I'm falling apart. Lord, I am disintegrating because of my sin as I stand with you. And God says, I have to take care of your sin problem. So he has an angel take a coal from the sacrificial altar, the altar in heaven, or the altar visually on earth and touches his lips, meaning I'm cleansing your heart from sin. So now Isaiah, you can stand in my presence. I can download my message to you and you won't fall apart. Do you see how intense that is? So when, because sin causes a reaction with God's holiness, it always results in judgment. Now think of this. When Jesus was on the cross, he's a absolutely holy one of God. When God, his father, placed sins on him, he died. Sin causes God to separate. Father, why have you forsaken me? Now, theologically, you can play with that however you want to play with that. My main point is the cross is the point where holiness encountered sin, holiness destroyed sin, and yet sin caused Jesus to separate from his father. That's the judgment on sin. Mm. Jesus, though, being so holy, was able to neutralize that sin and return to life. So when demons, the very embodiment of sin, wickedness, and evil, came close to Jesus, they went ballistic. Mm. Why? Because Jesus is the Holy One of God, and the holiness of God in Jesus convicts them of their absolute unholiness. Well, Truth Barista, boy, you sure put it into a clean nutshell, if we can say that. It, it really helps to understand these things, and it does come back to the cross, doesn't it? It comes back to God's holiness on the cross, and, and uh, if Christianity moves away from that, well, then all hell breaks loose, right? Well, think of it in these terms, even today, if we dedicate our lives to the Lord of really getting serious about making sure that we confess sin in our life, that we don't wallow in sin, that we really work hard to do things God's way, we should expect a growing presence of God in our lives, in our congregations, and in our society. Mm -hmm. But if we do the exact opposite and wallow in sin and open doors, you're going to experience increased demonic activity, increased sin, and you're going to see the kind of fruit of the unholy spirits happening as we see in society today. It's that simple. If you want to see a society transformed, what we really need is the holiness of God to sweep through a society. Truth Barista, I can't wait till we continue this uh, next week as we continue on this. What are you calling this again? It's a very provocative title. <laughs> you can learn a few things from demons. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. 
This is The Truth Barista, your link to how God defines our day. God has everything under control. There's nothing happening today that He hasn't foreseen. No matter what may be happening in your life or the society in which we live, He's still in control. With God always in control, that means that He'll see you through whatever you're facing. Trust God and see what He does in your favor today. Thanks for listening. This is Jay, your Truth Barista. Thanks for listening to the Truth Barista podcast. The best way to find out when a new podcast drops is through RSS feed. Go to our website, look for the RSS button, press it, and then enter your email. You'll be notified when a new podcast drops. Thanks for listening.